Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Hey, if you got your Bibles this morning, um, I'm going to be doing some scripture reading through Exodus 15, 16, and 17, just kind of doing some selected passages through there. I'm doing a series called Exiled, the Life of Moses, Liberator, Lawgiver, and Leader, and we're uh, talking, you know, just kind of walking through some of the incidences of, of Moses' life. This is the sixth part, and uh, if you've missed some of that, on all of our social media platforms, you can go back and catch up And uh, uh, as this kind of builds. So um, I'll be reading out of those passages this morning. Last week, we, we talked about just one of the greatest stories of the Bible, which is the Red Sea. Uh, Moses and the Hebrews and the, and, uh, and the Red Sea. They left after 400 years of being in Egypt, in Ramses, Egypt, they left. They all packed up because of the Passover and they moved out with whatever they could have in their hands. They did not know where they were going long term. They did not know how they would be fed, uh, how they would be protected. They left, took a huge step of faith and started to move out, but had no idea, you know, kind of where they were going. After they had left Ramses, where they were living, after they had moved out, Pharaoh has a change of mind and heart and is like, you know what? Wow. Uh, we've lost all of this free labor. He changes his mind. He puts his uh, uh, men on chariots and horses, his armies, and they take off into the wilderness. They're going to bring them back uh, to the Red Sea. You know the story. Uh, Moses says, stand still, see the salvation of God. He raises his hand. The wind, divine wind, begins to blow over eight hours. God divides the Red Sea, dries out the land. Then the Hebrews walk over on dry land. The water collapses on the Egyptians. And then, man, a powerful worship time took place with millions of people praising God for uh, his his divine intervention. So that was just kind of kind of last week and it leads into uh, it leads into this week. So after intense experiences like the Passover, you know, where there was a lot of spiritual warfare going on or uh, spiritual experiences like the Red Sea where you just need a, you need a miracle. You need a God miracle or even the worship experience that they had with a few million people. We got to watch ourselves at that particular point because there's a cycle of faith that starts to occur in the life of the believer. Not every, you know, every experience we have is on the mountaintop like, like that. Passover, Red Sea, powerful experience. Those experiences are good and they are part of the cycle of faith. But over a period of time, what we think is going to be permanent, these powerful experiences, actually over time, they fade uh, from our memory and just kind of, you know, the impact that it had at one moment, you know, at one point in our life, it just kind of fades from memory. So we don't live our life on extremes. We don't, we don't go just from mountaintop, from mountaintop to mountaintop. Jesus is baptized, and man, he hears the Father's voice. They see the Holy Spirit. Wow, unbelievable. Peter, you know, says, silver and gold, have I none? Man, he sees that, that great miracle occur. We don't live our lives on those kind of extremes. We learn to live for God in our normal day-to-day life. Now, we're still challenged. We still should grow in our faith, but it's just on a lower 
levels. So not everything that is occurring is so intense like the three incidences that I mentioned, but we still are challenged to grow and learn. It's just on a lower level. Like some of you this morning, if you have small children, you had a challenge to get them ready for church without saying bad words, right? Some of you passed. Some of you, the altar will be open at the end of the service, all right? So, you know, we, we think that if there's not this great intense moment in our life, sometimes we just let, we just let our guard down. But I want you to know that, that regardless of the intensity of the conflict that's right in front of, front of us, God expects us to grow. So sometimes we think if there's not a Red Sea or a Passover staring us in the, faith, in, in, in the face, then somehow, you know, we just kind of move on with our life. But I'm going, no, because there's still growth opportunities that we will see this morning. So Exodus 15 uh, there's one sentence I'm going to pull out of the story that I'm going to read, but it's going to set up what I'm going to talk about this morning. It said, there the Lord issued a ruling and an instruction for them and put them to the test. All right? So the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. So there are times that we go through great intense battles and faith battles, and then there are times that God begins to test us to see what we have learned and see how we have matured. So we go through a time of learning in our spiritual life when we read God's word and, or, or we learn things or we have certain experiences that we go through and we're processing what we can learn about this in our faith journey. So he teaches us and we learn and we gain knowledge. Then there's the test. There is the trial. There is the exam to see if you have carried away what God is trying to teach you. So a test is a situation that reveals the strength or quality of someone uh, or something by putting them under strain, okay? So a test is a situation that reveals strength or quality of someone by putting them under strain. So there are times that we're walking through things that the Lord is not just being cruel. There, he's trying to see, man, has there been character growth? Are we growing in our Christ-likeness? A trial is a test of performance or quality of knowledge. So the term trial and test are used interchangeably, especially in the New Testament, to talk about this time when the Lord says, okay, you've learned some things. Let's see if you've really, let's see if you've really internalized that. Now we're used to this in school, right? So you learn in school, then there's a test. You learn something, then there's a test. And, you know, there's, you can either advance from the test, you could either fail the test, okay, or you walk away with incomplete, you know, kind of an incomplete knowledge of what has been given to you, you know, uh, uh, in the past. Now, we, we're all used to this in school, right? Everybody loved exam week, right? I mean, it was all of our college students are so happy, high school students, it's exam week. I had one one professor in college, he said, here's your final exam. He said, I'm gonna, I've got 10 points, and he listed them on the board. He said, you've got to write a three, be able to write a three-page paper on these 10 points, all right? And you better know all the, the details that go with it. He said, now, here's what's going to happen. On the day of the exam, I'm going to bring a deck of cards in here, and I'm going to fan it out. We're going to pick one number, okay, one number. And you have to just, that exam is just going to be on that one number that you have studied. He said, now you can study all 10, which I recommend, or you can just study five. All right. And maybe 50%, you'll know. He said, or you could study three, or you could just study one. I just thought, man, you are pure evil. That's what you are. You are evil. All right. So teachers, please be merciful on your students this month. Okay. Uh, so there's, there's learning then there is the exam. 
Now, when the exam comes with the Lord, it's not just so that we can recite certain, you know, certain, uh, a certain amount of biblical knowledge, but the test is, have we grown in our faith? Have we been strengthened in our faith? Are we becoming more Christ-like? Has what we learned been internalized and we are being transformed into God's uh, into God's image. Here's the here's these these terms used in Scripture. He said, "You may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials." Remember the definition. It's under strain that we kind of learn certain things. You may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, and they have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ is revealed. 1 Peter 4.12. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to test you as though something strange is happening to you. He said everyone is going to walk through a time of testing. It can be persecution. It can be sickness. It can be adversity. It can be consequences of our poor choices, unusual kind of things that we think are random, but they're not, necess not necessarily random. So I want to Reminds you, God is not finished working on us until the day we stand before Jesus. He's constantly refining us, constantly working on us. We think because I don't have a Red Sea, you know, in my, uh, in my, in my immediate future, then I can just kind of take a deep breath, but I'm going, no, it's in those moments that God wants to test us. So I want you to know that God is at work in your life and you're not just going through a bunch of random disconnected trials. They are connected. God is at work and he's doing something in your life that one day if you'll let it have its perfect work you'll stand before Jesus and you'll hear well done okay or you'll hear hey you just barely got in okay I'll take either one but I'd rather have the other one so let's look at the test he sends them through several tests the first one is the test of attitude all right um, Exodus 15, 22. So they're, they're leaving the Red Sea. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea. They went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water and the water became fit to drink. And I, this is the passage that I used before. And the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. Okay, so now get this. The Red Sea and all of its miracle working power, three days later, and they're already grumbling. I just witnessed the Passover in the Red Sea. And in three days, what did I say? You think big experiences will impact you forever. I'm telling you, they fade from memory, okay? And this is in three days. So they come up tomorrow. And they're thirsty. It's been, you know, it's been a long time since they've had water. And, man, they're thirsty. So I get that. And they see water and they start to drink, but it's bitter. So that's just even, you know, that's even kind of, kind of cruel, you know, with, within itself. But I want to remind you that the tests and trials that we go through are not just so we can recite biblical knowledge, but seeing have we grown in our faith and our Christ-likeness. So... Here's the test of attitude. They come upon a season that they don't understand. We've been, man, we've been through the Red Sea. We've been doing things well. The water is bitter. And what's the first thing they do? They whine and complain. Okay? All right. Like, have you ever heard your kids go, there is nothing to eat in this house? 
There is nothing to do in this house. There, I have nothing to wear. You ever heard that? You just want to go? All right. Head outside the door. You're on your own. You can, this will be a self-fulfilling prophecy here. Listen, but people, you know, people when they go through things like this, they default to whining and complaining even though they've lived off the hand of miracles. All right? They live off the hand of miracles. Well, I don't understand. I was just trying to live right. You know, I don't, I don't know what God's doing. I just don't understand. I've just been faithful. I gave $12 in the offering. I'm just not sure, you know, what, what's going on here. People default when things go imperfect. They default to whining and complaining or envy and comparison. Well, man, they had this. They've got this advantage. Man, I, I sure if I had that, it wouldn't be this way in my, in my own or particular life. And when we, when we start to say those things, it, it impacts our, our attitude and our life disposition. But this is part of the test. This is part of the test. Your default emotion when things kind of, when you go into uh, an area that you don't understand, our default emotion is whining and complaining or envy uh, or, or comparison. So I'm just saying to you, let's change that. Let's change that. This is a, this is a test that you can pass or fail because I want to remind you that attitude is a choice. Attitude is a choice. Life disposition is a choice. It's not part of your DNA. It's not part of, you know, like that's my mother always whine, my daddy always whine. No, it's not part of that. It's a, it's a choice. Attitude is a choice, all right? And let me just say, you know, we don't just verbalize it. <clears throat> now we put it all off social media. We vent and whine Everything we've got on social media. Well, it's part of my self-care plan. No, it's not. No, it's not. You're whining and you're complaining. It's a default emotion that you go to when you're walking through seasons that, that you don't understand. So our test in this area is not about what I can do for God, but who I am in him. Am I internalizing some of the things that I've learned in my past? So how about instead of defaulting to whining and complaining, how about we default to statements of hope, faith, encouragement, and perseverance? What if they would have gone, man, you know what? We got some bitter water here. But I'm telling you, over the past few months, we've seen God's faithfulness. He's provided for us in every way. We had a Passover. You know, there was a miracle. The Red Sea. I don't understand while I'm here, but I'm just telling you, I'm going to trust God because somehow, someway, there's going to be an answer. What if that becomes our default? You know what? I've got some sickness in my life. I've got some issues in my life. I'm not sure why it's here or what's going on. But God's always been faithful to me. He didn't bring me this far to let me drown. He's never turned his back on me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. I don't understand the moment that I'm in. But you know what? I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to serve God. And I'm going to believe God's going to make a way where there is no way. All right, I'm going to be watching your Facebook now. I'm going to be watching, okay? Verse 26. So they, they throw, they, they throw the, the branch into the water. The water clears up, and then here's the follow-up. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God, and you do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees... I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the, Egypt, the Egyptians. And then look at this statement. It should sound familiar. For I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord that heals you. So, he's just kind of stepping back for a second and he says to them, If you honor God, if you live by his word, if you live by his commandments, then you will live free of the punishment of the Lord. But then he said, I want to remind you 
that it is the Lord that heals. It's the term, it's the place where we get Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord that heals. And he's saying to them, as you have seen the miracle of the water, please know I have other miracles in store as well. Now, up to that point, healing was almost non-existent. Only one time in Genesis had there been a healing up to this point. So he's speaking about something that actually they have no point of reference. So at that particular time, healing was happening just by the sovereign hand and work of God. But today, I want you to know we experience God's healing and his miracle power by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. I want to read you this, Isaiah 53. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God and stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. Look at this sentence. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him And by his wounds, we are healed. Psalms 103 says he forgives all of our sins and he heals all of your diseases. So this morning, I want to remind you that forgiveness of sin and healing of the body are made possible through the cross of Jesus Christ. Healing was done in the Old Testament by the sovereign hand of God, but today it's because the suffering Savior on a cross that we can experience his healing. And I want you to know we've seen that in the last month. We've seen God We've seen God do healings of people in this house. At the end of this service, we're going to pray for that again and ask God to, to send a miracle and healing again. Now look at the last part of this story. Verse 27. Then they came to Elam where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees and they camped out there near the water. They were at Mara where it was bitter. But that was not the final destination. All right? It was Elam. Have you ever heard of Sandals, Jamaica? You ever heard that? Well, we got a little image because this is, this is Elam. All right? Look, it said he came to Elam where there were 12 springs, 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. So here, this is what God had in store for them. So I want to say to you this morning, all right, be careful when you complain about your life because you might feel really bad when you see God's full plan work out its way in your life. Be careful. They thought Mara was the destination. No, Mara was temporary. It was Elam, the place of palm trees and fresh water where they could just camp. That was God's destination. Sometimes we're complaining and whining and we haven't even seen the end or the fullness of what God wants to do in our life. All right? So the test of adversity. The test of adversity. Do you default? What do you default to? I mean, excuse me, the test of attitude. What do you default to? You can pass or you can fail. Look at the next test, the test of obedience. Exodus 16. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam, where they had spent some time, and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the 15th day of the second month, after they had come out of Egypt, in the, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat, ate all the food that we wanted, but you've brought us out here into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Let me tell you, I've been around a long time in ministry, and it always amazes me that people have selective memory when it comes to their sinful past. Right? Right? 
they forget certain parts of that, you know, like they forgot. They forgot the beatings. They forgot the abuse. They forgot the slavery, all right? And then they forgot that. Then they exaggerated certain parts. People do that too. They said, we were sitting around with full pots of meat and, and food. Where, where did we read that? In Hebrew. So, so people forget certain parts of their sinful past and they exaggerate certain parts. I'm sure, I'm sure Pharaoh would have loved to have had them back, but you don't see him doing that, do you? You don't see him doing that. Let me just remind you today, there are times in your life that Satan will send a flashback of your old life. There will be, be remembrances of temptation and an invitation to walk back to your old life. But I want you to know that it is an illusion. It is a mirage. Sometimes we forget the shame, but we always remember the fun. We, we forget the broken and the, the, the relationships that were, that were broken, but we remember certain incidences. I, I, want you to rem, I want to remind you that your sinful past is filled with brokenness, which is why you came to Christ anyway. But the enemy's always trying to put selective memories in your past. So, so they get here, man, they, they have... You know, they are all messed up. They're, you know, they're uh, grumbling. So they have, no, they have no resources here. So Moses says, he goes to Aaron and he said, tell everybody to gather before the Lord tomorrow because he's heard your grumblings. That'd be bad news, wouldn't it? It's like when my dad said, hey, your report card came in, see me at five. You know, you knew that was never going to be good news. So I want you to come before the Lord and I want, I want you, because the Lord's heard your grumblings. So they all gather before the Lord, you know, and, and it says God's glory is in the background. That makes it even worse, right? You know you're, it's bad. You know it's bad. And here's what the Lord says to them through Moses. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to provide. In the evening, you want meat? I'm going to give you meat in the evening. Every night, there's going to be quail, flocks of quail that will fly over and they'll just fall to the ground, okay? You're going to have meat. I'm sure they would have preferred beef, but cattle falling from the sky could have been a worker's comp issue. So he just stuck with quail, okay? Every evening, there's going to be meat. He said in the morning, in the morning when you get up, there's going to be like a dew that's going to be on the ground every morning. And when it dries, it's going to be sweet. It's going to be like a little wafer. It was frosted flakes before, you know, before the cereal company ever had it. You got meat at the night. You got, you got uh, the, 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 uh, the manna in the morning. So he said, here's what I'm going to do. But here's the rule because we're going to look at the test of obedience. Here is the test of obedience. So here's the, here's the rules. Number one, go out and gather food every day. Every day, I want you to get up and go gather food. Don't be lazy. Every day, there's going to be plenty. You've got to go gather your food. Gather enough for your family for that day. About three pounds per person, okay? Go gather enough for your family. No more, no less. Don't hoard, just get enough for your family. Don't try to store it up because he wanted them to trust in the daily provision of God. And the other rule, on the day before the Sabbath, double the amount that you get. You can, instead of, you know, three and a half, you can get, you can double, you can double that. So I'm just saying to you on Saturday, we can eat twice as much, okay? Just keep that in mind. And then he said, I want you to rest on the Sabbath. Those are the four rules. Those are the four rules because this test is the test of obedience. Will you do exactly what I tell you to do? Listen to me. Because obedience today, even in small things, prepares me for the task that God has for me tomorrow. 
So he's asking me to be obedient right now in things that I don't even understand, but there are things down the road that he's preparing me for, but I've got to learn to be obedient in these small things, all right? It's like, you know, you're trying to teach your kids certain things, okay? Because you want them to be adult, you know, responsible adults in the future. I have wonderful children. I do. They have three flaws, okay? Three. They, I've told them when the trash gets to the level of the trash can, take it out. No. They try to engineer things way on top of the trash, they have a gift of engineering. They should be in school for that. They never take it out, one. They never close the potato chip bag, two. Always stale. They never close the cereal box, always stale. You don't believe me. I'm going to have you guys over for potato chips and cereals sometime, and you'll see what I live with. All right? We're, we teach our kids obedience today, but we're trying to prepare them for tomorrow, when you go to the, the military, they, they talk to you about things, how to, how to make your bed a certain way, all right? And you may think, what does that have to do with, you know, war or, or to shine your shoes or your uniform or you learn to march in cadence or, or they, they have all these long runs and hikes, but, but, but there's a day you know, that you're not going to be doing that. So you've got to learn right now, listening, attention to detail, being on time, doing things with excellence because they're, you know, what they're preparing for you right now, teaching you these small things, there'll be a day that they're preparing you for a, a different task, but you have to learn the obedience right now in what you're doing. I watched a documentary on, you know, the, 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 uh, the SEAL team that went in and got bin Laden. Listen, they had advanced way beyond making their bed and shining their shoes. But let me tell you, those guys had great discipline. They were very smart because they had been faithful and obeying early in their life. And man, now they had this, they had this, great, this great opportunity. My obedience today prepares me for my task tomorrow. Jesus said in John 14, If anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, my Father will love them, and we will come to them and, and make our home with them. Okay, so obedience is important. It's what Jesus said. Follow my words. Listen to what I'm saying. First John, if anyone obeys his word, if, any, if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. So he's saying obedience is part of my growth. It is a continual part of bringing me into completion, bringing me into Christ-likeness when I obey God's word. So that was the rule, those four rules, okay, four rules, you know, and I, I just mentioned to them. So what happens? First day, the quail falls, people run out there, and they just gather all that they can get, okay? They take it home, all of this excess, take it home. And the scripture says the next morning when they got up, all the food had rotted. It began to stink, and there were maggots over all of that food. That's a good way to start your day, right? All right, because they were not obedient. He's trying to teach them about trusting God's provision, but they're hoarding up. So there's maggots everywhere. It's stinking. So, and it says Moses is angry, all right? Then on the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, who's out there? There are people wandering around. Where's the food? You know, because there was nothing on the Sabbath. You had to, you had to double up on the, on the day before. People are wondering, where's the food? All right? It says Moses was, Moses was angry. So I want you to know, obedience, living by God's word, carrying out you know, God's directives, even when they seem small and it doesn't seem like, you know, it makes any sense to our life. It's very important because you never know what God is preparing for you down the road. You may not understand all that God's doing. There's some things that God's working in your heart because there's another task that he has, that he has before you. Let's go to another test that they got. The test of provision. The test of provision. 
verse uh, Exodus 17, the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. The Lord answered Moses and said, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take your staff in your hand, which you stuck in the Nile, and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and the water will come out of it for people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called this place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled because they tested the Lord and saying, is the Lord among us or not? Okay, now here's, here's another test. It's going to be the test of provision. The test of provision. Sometime in your life, you are going to need to learn the lesson of Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. You are going to need provision. You are going to need help. And you need everyone at some point will walk through this test. Not, you know, not about luxuries that we need in our life, but learning to trust God and his provision. There'll be a day, if you haven't already gone through this, that you're not sure where the money will come to pay your power bill or to buy groceries or to pay your rent or to get pharmaceuticals or whatever you need. There'll be a point that your back is against the wall and you are faced with the test of provision. Now, please remember from last week so there's no water. There's no water, okay? But the Hebrews, if you remember from last week, they had the bones of Joseph. Remember that? They were carrying the bones of Joseph. That was part of uh, you know, uh, what Joseph asked them to do. And they were carrying the bones of Joseph with them as a reminder of God's provision. Remember the story? The, the famine was coming. And God spoke to Joseph, and, and Joseph, there was a miraculous harvest that came, but Joseph was also wise with God's wisdom on how that miraculous harvest uh, was uh, dispensed through a time, you know, through a time of famine. So they've got the bones of Joseph there as a reminder of God's provision. They can look in, and, and see, this, see this story, okay? So sometimes the test of provision is something that we all know, but listen to me, at some point in your life, you're going to have to walk down this path yourself. You're going to have to trust the hand in the provision of God. You're going to have to trust God. Now, if you'll remember in the previous, the previous story, they, he wanted them to trust the daily provision. Don't gather more than you need. I want you to, to internalize the fact that I'm faithful and I will, I will take care of you. I want to ask you this question. Think honestly. How many of you know that there is a time in your life that money was short or you lost a job or there was some kind of financial concern in some way and you saw God's providing hand. Would you raise your hand across this? Look at that. Look at that. Yeah, all across the building. We all <clears throat> walk through this test at some point because God is saying, I want you to know that you can trust me. You can trust me. Sometimes it's miraculous provision, okay? Sometimes it's miraculous provision that happens, comes from sources that we don't know or understand or don't, don't, don't think it's going to, you know, how, how, how could that help me? Or sometimes it's miraculous planning as well, like with Joseph. Joseph, I'm going to give you an unusual harvest. Listen to me. 
But here's what you're supposed to do with it. Sometimes God gives direction on how we should spend. We need to be good stewards, you know, those kind of things. So there's a time, and some of you are here today, and you're listening to me, and financially your back's against the wall. You're not sure, you know, what's going to happen in the next 30 days. I want to remind you this morning that the Lord is trustworthy and the Lord is good. And David said, I've been young and I've been old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. Now, a lot of us have been through the test of provision. Some of you, this may be your first time. So I want to slowly read the promise of Jesus on this test, Matthew 6, Matthew 6, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap. They're not working, okay? Or store away, store away in barns. You ever seen a nervous bird all upset because he doesn't know where the next worm's coming from? But yet your heavenly father feeds them. They don't, they're not working. They don't care. They're just flying around, waking us up, ruining our car after car wash. Amen. Are you not much more valuable than the birds? Here's your promise. Can any of you, by worrying at one single hour to your life, why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how, this is some of you, this is your promise. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not, uh, will he not much more clothe you, ye little faith? So here's the promise. Don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them. So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So I want to say... To those that are walking through the test of the provision, there comes a point that you just have to trust God, okay? There comes a point, sink or swim, you've knocked on every door, you've done everything that you can do. At some point, he's going to walk you through that test of provision. But I just want to say, I think you're going to see God faithful in that test. And here's the last, here's the last test. The Amalekites... It's the test of spiritual opposition. The test of spiritual opposition. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with a staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites uh, as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. Joshua's fighting. Moses is praying. Can I tell you that most of the time our battles are with our own flesh, our own internal desires, or we battle or clash with other people. But there are certain times that we battle and we clash with the enemy of our soul, the adversary. Okay? So there are certain times that this is a spiritual battle. It's not me, it's not my neighbor, but there are times that the enemy zeroes in on your life and it's the test of spiritual opposition. So I just want to remind you about the, the enemy. Jesus gives a couple of images here for us to remember. First of all, he calls him the thief. The thief, he says, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief never has any good intentions. Negotiating or compromising with the thief would be a terrible mistake. There are times that he solely comes to steal what you have or to kill and destroy what God is doing in your life. There's one image that he gives. It's the thief. 
the other as the image of the lion. First Peter says, Satan walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. A lion cannot have a good day. A lion doesn't know compassion. A lion doesn't know when to stop. It is in the DNA of the lion to kill. It is in the DNA of the, of the lion to cause havoc and destruction. He can't help himself. That's what he does. There are times in our lives that we are facing the thief. There are times in our lives when we are facing the lion and the arm of flesh will not help us when the spiritual battle is raging. Spiritual problems can only be resolved with spiritual answers. Talking to people, trying to figure, trying to figure things out. Look at the story. Look at how it continues. As long as Moses held his hand, held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on each side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Listen to me. Some battles, they're just not battles of flesh and blood. They are spiritual battles. Some battles are only fought through the power of prayer and pleading the blood of Jesus over our lives. There are times, there's a, and it's a, it's, a, it's a test that you will have. What will happen when you are faced with spiritual opposition? Will you only trust in your intellect, your ingenuity, your experience in the past? Or will you do like Moses did and, only realize, and realize there is only... Only an answer, a spiritual answer through prayer. The term we use sometimes is wrestle. You need to wrestle. Hey, and I just want to remind you too that, that sometimes these, these battles are so intense that it takes more than a five-minute prayer. Okay? Sometimes the battle is raging, the conflict is raging, and you need to set aside some time to fast and pray and seek God's face. Jacob wrestled. It said he physically wrestled with the Lord all night. So sometimes it takes time. I want to give you another term. It's called praying through. Praying through. It's an old school term. Old school term. But it means prayer does not stop and the burden does not lift until the circumstances change. Sometimes we are facing things and man, you know, just, just trying to remember it a little through the day is not going to bring you victory through this. Sometimes you've got to pray. You've got to be persistent. Remember, as Moses was praying, the conflict was going back and forth. When he started to get a little tired and he dropped his hands, the Amalekites started to win. What was happening in the natural was actually playing out in the spiritual. So when we pray, when we, when we seek God's face, we pray through. We don't stop. We don't get discouraged. We don't give up until we see what we are praying about work its way out in the natural. That's the lesson. Brent, worship team, you can come. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. Some things that you face, they're spiritual and they're supernatural, and the answer is only in the supernatural, all right? Evil wars against the plan and purpose of God. Evil comes to war against the people of God. So keep praying. Keep believing. Keep praying with the same passion and intensity. This is a spiritual conflict that will only be resolved with a spiritual answer. So don't give up. Don't give up. So they won. They won the battle. In, in verse 15, it said, Moses built an altar and he called it, the Lord is my banner. 
He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, and the Lord will be at war with the Amalekites from generation from generation. Okay? The Lord is my banner. It's a term that we're familiar with in the Hebrew, Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner. So he's making a reference here because in conflict, especially back then, they used banners. They would, they would take like your country's banner and they would hoist it up. There was no communication, no, you know, in battle like there is today. So they would take, they would take the banner and they would hold it high. And it brought, you know, like, man, just positive feelings. Like if you saw your American flag or whatever, it just brought, brought positive feelings about that. But it also brought direction as well. Because there would be times whoever's holding that banner, when they would go forward, they would tip it forward. I mean, they knew to charge. Or they would lean it to the left and they would go this way. Or they would lean it to the right and they would go this way. If it was a time to retreat they would pull back. So they're watching this banner and all that it meant and all of the, you know, all of the emotions that came when you saw your, when you saw your flag. But it also, it was giving direction in battle. Can I just remind you, when he says, name this altar Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, our banner, it just means in times of spiritual warfare, he does not leave us alone in the midst of the conflict. He will give us direction. He will give us courage and he'll give us strength if we'll, if we'll listen. He doesn't leave you alone. But at some point, at some point, there's a spiritual battle in your life. There's a spiritual battle in your life. I have refined you, Isaiah said. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. So even when we come out of the Passover in the Red Sea, there's still things that God is going to test us. He's going to send trials in our, in our life. And what, and what have we learned? Can I just tell you, I mean, I've been serving God a long time. And man, I've just learned, I'm not, I'm not perfect in my faith at all, but man, I'm just, I'm just at this point, I, I, whatever I face, I just know God's going to take it. I don't always understand it, but you know, I just trust God's character. So there's some overriding principles over the course of our life that he wants us to know. There are some tests and trials that he's going to walk you through, not, you know, not for your discouragement, but he, he's trying to teach you, trying to grow you. There's something else that he wants you to do in the future. Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you that you're faithful. I thank you that you're faithful in Passover situations. I pray that you're faithful in Red Sea situations, Lord, but also lower intensity things just from day to day. God, you're teaching and you're trying us. And I pray for those in the furnace of affliction. Lord, I pray for those, Lord, who, who think that life is just about Red Sea experiences, but they forget, God, that you're teaching and you're trying and you're, you, you want us to see. You want us to see and know. I pray that we'll grow in those areas. I pray. I pray that we'll grow in those areas. Oh, God, test of obedience, test of attitude, test of provision, test of spiritual opposition. Help us to walk. Help us to walk through these, Lord. Help us to walk through these, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? Would you stand? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.